You're listening to the Woman Unmasked podcast, where pretty fades to real as real women unmask their past and share valuable lessons to help you overcome your pain and own your truth. We are unashamed, unafraid. This is the Woman Unmasked podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Woman Unmasked podcast. I'm Latera Wise, your host, and today I have the pleasure of bringing to you Ms. Fatima Love. Fatima Love is an author, certified personal growth coach, and college instructor and speaker. Inspired to help others overcome life obstacles, Fatima shares her story of neglect, abuse, and redemption in her memoir, Where the Journey Ends. Fatima is passionate about people's ability to transition, transform, and transcend. She challenges her readers and audiences to leave the hurt behind and begin their own journeys of self-love, forgiveness, and loving life. She believes that we are all capable of letting go and moving forward. Through her writing and transparency of her own challenges, Fatima hopes to help others overcome and live their golden lives. Fatima holds a Bachelor's of Business Administration and a Master of Science in Marketing. Fatima also enjoys writing fictional pieces and plans to release her first novel in the near future. So welcome, Fatima. Thank you so much for being here. How are you today? Hi. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much for uh, agreeing to be on our show today and for sharing your story. Oh, well, I, I so appreciate you guys inviting me and um, I love to share my story because um, it's just something that I, that empowers me to share it. So I really appreciate being here today. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, with that, can you give us a little bit about your kind of your journey? So um I, uh, um, first of all, I, I wrote my memoir in um, the effort to share my story. And my story, I don't feel is, is different from um, other people's story, but um, I feel it is just as powerful as other people's story and, you know, began it um, with my childhood. And my childhood was uh, one of abuse, of neglect, um, sexual abuse, physical abuse physical abuse, verbal abuse. Um, I lost my dad when I was seven, my mom when I was 13. Both my parents were on drugs. Um, I lived with a aunt who abused me um, amongst other people who abused me. And my journey is really about self-love because believing what people said or the names that I was called, and um, how I learned to love myself, and more importantly, before um, learning to love myself, um, the 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 foundation, the the statue, the the strong person in my life, my grandmother, who introduced me and taught me how to trust and love God. And once I learned to trust and love God, I learned to trust and love myself. And that was really my journey to my eyes opening up and seeing me and believing in me. Um, it wasn't until then that um, that I, I, I was able to move beyond everything that I was going through and being put through. Um, so that's really the gist of my journey. It's just really about um, the introduction to God, trusting God, trusting myself, and loving myself. Wow, that sounds 
that sounds like a a uh, you know a powerful journey for someone to travel through to to be able to overcome all of those things in your past um the abuse and losing both of your parents as a young child your ability to overcome that and be here and share that story is an incredible thing so getting back to the beginning of your story uh, was your parents drug abuse something that you always dealt with as a, as a child? So um, I would say yes. Um, both of my parents were already uh, drug addicts before I was born. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I was born to addicts. Um, I don't know exactly when they began that before my birth. Um, I do have an older brother and um, I believe they did it then. And we are three, we have a three year difference. Um, and I believe so that they, they were definitely doing it three years prior. Um, but I don't know their entire story, unfortunately, because um, I never had that chance to really get their views and their side of the story because they both passed while I was still young. And while they were still young, um, my dad was only 27 when he passed. Yeah. My mom was, I believe 32. So, um, you know, they were young and unfortunately because of that, I was never, never able to sit down and talk to them about the, the wins and the whys and the wheres and all of that stuff. But I do believe that I was born to drug um, addicted parents. So growing up in that environment, how did that affect you as a child? Did you know that something was different in your family? So I did. So um, I only stayed with my mom until I was five years old. Um, but bef- But during that time, it's amazing because... Um, scientifically they say that you don't remember any anything before the uh, age of two Mm -hmm. and I can remember being two years old and I can remember my mom sitting me on a stool and piercing my ears I can remember seeing her um, dozing in and out I remember the times that she told me to turn around and look out the window and she was with friends and I knew she was doing drugs. I was only between the ages of two and five. Uh, at five years old, unfortunately, she left me with someone who um, abused me to the point where um, she held me against a radiator uh, a couple of times. And um, after that, I went to live with my mother's sister. So I knew, like, even though I was little, I knew, I knew when we went to a certain building, I knew my mom was going to get drugs. Um, I knew that it, in a matter of moments, once we got back to our room, that her head was going to be bobbing up and down. Like, those things I remember as a child. Now, scientifically, they say you don't remember, but I do remember. And I believe that me remembering is probably because um, I had a story to tell. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. I I can see that, you know, a lot of the things that we go through, everything that we go through really is um, part of our story to impact others' lives. So I can definitely see uh, how those things and those memories play into your journey and your strength and ability to be able to speak to that even now. So the abuse that you encountered in your life, was that something that was a pattern in different households? 
Um, so it, it was a pattern in the one household that I lived in, with, which was with my mother's sister. Um, she was the biggest abuser um, because I lived with her and she was physically abusive. Um, but it didn't stop there. It, uh, it carried out into what I like to say, it carried out into the world. It carried out into my life in the streets. So I was, um, but the first time I was uh, sexually attacked was, um, I think I was about six, seven years old, um, and a boy had entered into the uh, elevator with me and attempted to, or proceeded to um, rub up against me and, and, and do things that were inappropriate for his age and to my age, and um, then that became something that happened another two or three times in my life. So during that time, um, I know you mentioned that your grandmother introduced you to God, but, uh, during that time, did you have anyone to lean on anyone who you could confide in uh, during those difficult times? Um, in the beginning, no. So in the very, in the very beginning of my journey of moving with my mother's sister and um, dealing with these things. I did have my grandmother, but unfortunately, I was more guided by fear. And so I was afraid to share that information. I was afraid to speak up. Um, I was afraid to use my voice. So I was really alone. I was pretty much alone because of my fear. My fear kept me from telling. And in fact, it wasn't until the final straw. It wasn't until the, uh, I want to say, one of the worst beatings of my life that I, the fear of dying versus the fear of telling um, became more evident. It became um, something where it's like, you're either going to tell or you're not going to live. And um, I decided that I wanted to live. And that's when I called my grandmother. And I said, she's going to kill me. And, and, and then that's when I think the biggest part of my journey began, because I believe that everything that I've gone through, the biggest part of my journey was really now to learn to, one, use my voice, two, to discover God, who he was and all that he could do and love, self-love um, and accepting of love because I didn't know what that felt like. I didn't know what accepting love was about. Wow. And I, I think people kind of miss that when someone grows up in those kind of um, abusive situations, they miss that people don't really get the concept of love from there. So how did you, right. how did you come to know and understand what real love looked like? Um, it took years. It took a long time. And in fact, honestly, I don't think I really discovered what real love looked like until I was more so in my adult years. Um, and I think it came when uh, 1997, when my son was born, um, I was 20, was I 25, 25, 27. It was one day he was sleeping and I woke up and I just was staring at him 
at him and it it just I just started crying and I was crying because I I finally felt like true love like I was like I love another being the way I have never loved anyone in my life and um it was it was it was it was powerful um prior to that I think all the way up until before my son was born um I was really learning about love right because people think oh I love you or I'm in love um and many of us who struggle with not having fathers and things like that um we we tend to look for love in the wrong places, right? Mm -hmm. And what we think is love is really not love. Um, Growing up in a household where you had no one teaching you about God, right? And God God is agape love. So um, not knowing that, not realizing that, um, learning, right? So it was a process to learn love, to learn that I wanted to love myself, then to learn how to love myself, So during your life and the trials and things that you have been through and overcome, have you found at any point in time that you've worn a mask? So um, a mask, no. Mini mask, yes. Um, So I, I think that when we identify, we finally realize that we're wearing a mask. If you really look deeper, if we take a, 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 a really truthful, um, cold heart look at your life, your actions, your reactions, and everything that you've gone through, um, sometimes you do realize, and as for myself, I realized that I had many masks. So I wore a mask of fear initially. Um, I feared the person that was supposed to care for me. Um, I feared telling the truth. I feared repercussions. Mm-hmm. And um, overall, just I just feared a lot of stuff. So that was like a, a major mask for me. Um, I hid behind that mask. I hid behind the mask of, of not telling of my abuse. I hid um, behind the mask of rejection. Um, I, I, I knew I was being rejected, but I didn't want to be rejected, but I didn't want to admit I was being rejected, if that makes any sense. Um, neglect. I, I hid by the, the mask of neglect. And I think my mask was what I was going through, but what I didn't necessarily want to admit to. Mm. So... Um, these, these, these masks that I wore, these cover-ups were um, hidden with uh, fake smiles. Was um, I even hid like my tears. I couldn't cry in front of people or I couldn't cry in front of the, in front of the person that was supposed to be there for me and care for me and uh, was left to take care of me. Um, it was like a, a my tears were hidden, right? I cried in the dark. I cried alone. Um, and, and, and so all those things put together, I feel like it just wasn't a mask. It was mini mask, right? Because um, 
it was just one thing after the other, after the other, anything negative, anything hurtful, anything abusive, I hid from. Um, I hid behind that mask and I smiled and I pretended. And it was, that was my life. That was my childhood. That was what I lived by and lived through and accepted and pretended as if no one else could see it, right? And we, we tend to smile. Even now, sometimes we, you know, as adults, we go through things and we smile and yes. um, we pretend that it's not there. And I often, like one time I told my best friend, um, when she was going through some really hard struggles, I could tell you were hiding because your hugs weren't the same. Your, your hugs weren't as powerful and as strong and as emotional, mm. right? So we do it even as adults, you know, I, I come from a place of telling my story from my childhood, but even as adults, sometimes we hide behind these masks and, and, and I'm no exception to the rule. Yes. And I think for, for most of us, the mask becomes our protection because we think if we can keep up that front, then people won't get to the deep parts of us. And if we can keep up that front, then no one else can come in and hurt us. Exactly. But we don't realize the damage that the mask actually inflicts upon us as well. Absolutely. So uh, when did you begin to kind of peel back the layers of those masks that you were wearing and kind of start to accept what had happened and then move forward from that? So... I think it came in steps. And the first step, no different than like an addict, is um, admitting, right? And for uh, as far as wearing a mask um, or mask, um, actually realizing that that's what's happening, right? Realizing, for me, I had to realize that I had all these different faces. I had all these different cover-ups. And how I was denying or trying to avoid, right? I was living in avoidance. So I had to really first just realize that I'm hurting. Um, I had pain. I had honest and true feelings and emotions. Um, I had to realize those things. And I don't think, and it came... Um, it came years later. Uh, I, I, I endured all that I endured uh, during my childhood. And then um, in my teen, late teenage years, maybe 18, um, it, it was when I remember a conversation having, I was having with my grandmother and um, I had come to a point in my life where I was just, I just had enough. I had enough and I really, and, and I was ready to give up. And then things happened and I said, I want to live. I want to do better. I want to be better. I want a better life. Um, and that was like at 18, 19 years old, I had graduated from college. I had done so many things to self-inflict pain to just avoid the pain that other people had caused me that I had to come to realize like, this is not it for me. I want more. Um, 
and even at that point, I wanted more, but I didn't realize I deserved more, right? Because we can want more, but when you realize you deserve more, yes. that you are um, wonderfully and fearfully made, that's when the light shines. That's when the aha moments come. That's when you say, okay, it's time to do this thing totally different. It's time to redo, reevaluate, um, and become a different person, become the person that you're supposed to be, right? Not the person, the scared little girl, not the person who's hurting themselves because other people are hurting them. Um, and that was like in my about 18, 19 years old. And I decided I want more. I want to be more. I want to do more. And then I decided to go to therapy, which I had been through as a child, but I decided to go back to therapy on my terms. Mm. And it was my choice. It wasn't someone saying, you need therapy. We're going to put you in therapy, right? Because that I did that. Um, they put me in therapy and it was like, okay, you know, I had no idea what it was. I had no idea what it meant. And even then in therapy, I wore a mask. I fronted. It mm. was, um, it was lies, right? It was lies. It was literally for me a great escape for a little while, but I'm not going to tell you what I'm going through. I'm not going to tell you what people have done to me or, or doing to me. Um, now I realized, right? It's time. I want to do different. And so that's when I really started to kind of unpeel. And um, through therapy, I eventually realized that I deserve more. Not just I wanted to do more and be more, but I deserve more. Yes. And that's a powerful realization that you deserve happiness and joy and, and goodness. Yes. Especially after suffering for so long and being told by others through actions and by words that you're not worthy, but to find that moment. Right. So how did, how did it feel for you when you reached that moment? Um, so initially, when I, dis when I discovered I wanted more, I felt, I felt like there was life in me, where I identified more with death in me. I identified more with sorrow. I identified more with um, fake, unreal, masking, really. And when I decided I want to live, I decided, um, I felt like a weight that had come off of me because I decided I no longer wanted to suffer. And it was a really good feeling. I remember I literally uh, picked up the phone and I called my ther uh, therapist who had been my therapist uh, throughout my childhood and every so often um, I would call on her. and. I actually called the center, not knowing that she would still be there. And I called the center and I asked for her. And when she got on the phone, my words were literally, I want to live. Mm, wow. And from there, it was just, you know, it was life changing. It was life changing. It was emotional. It was a strong an overwhelming feeling. With to the point where after I had talked to her and set up an appointment, I cried. I cried and I cried. And as I was crying, I said I wanted to live. I just kept repeating it. I want to live. 
I want to live. I want to live. I want to live. So it was really a great revelation for me. I'm sure or for your therapist to hear that from you after they had, you know, being there through the difficult times. And I'm sure that was like a, a wonderful revelation for her. And I think it's so important to hear, you know, kind of how you progressed through therapy where you didn't want to open up. And then when you finally got to that place where it was your choice. Right. Because a lot of times people shy away from therapy because they don't really think it's going to help. Like they, they get to that place where oh, I don't want to tell this person my business. But to see that you got to that place where you realize that, okay, this person's here to help me and she's got something that I don't have. She can teach me something that I can take and move on with. Yes. I think that's something that powerful for people to know. Oh yeah. I, I believe um, I'm a big advocate for um, therapy in the African-American community. Um, I'm all for it. I have no, um, I have no, uh, self-doubt and I have, I have no, um, no, no shame in therapy. I have no shame in the, um, medicine of psychology. I have no shame in, um, people, uh, taking medication. And in fact, you know, I had, I suffered or I endured losing the most important person in my life, which was my grandmother, who was my rock and um, suffering or, or dealing with an, uh, depression. And I tell people all the time, listen, I take medication. I go see my therapist and I think you should do the same thing. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, I had began some years ago to study for my PhD and I got all the way to the point of working on my dissertation and my dissertation was going to be on um, depression, the African-American mother and how we shy away from that. And it's so important, even if you don't take the route of medication, therapy, listen, if, if I hadn't done that, I honestly can't tell you that I would be sitting here today doing this podcast. I wouldn't, I don't know that I would be sitting here to get today with two wonderful children, a husband or um, anything of that nature, right? Because it really took me to a place of not just saying I want to live, mm-hmm. but living. That place is, is great place to be. And I've, um, you know, I've, dealt with depression, but in my family, it wasn't something that was talked about. It wasn't something that we went to therapy for. So, you know, it was kind of something that I had to learn to deal with on my own. And I didn't really have a name for it until I was an adult, but I had developed some coping mechanisms and, you know, some of those are not the best. I I went through the phase where I would just drink to the point that I blacked out and things like that. Um, But I developed, well, I I wouldn't say developed. I went back to my faith. And for me, you know, kind of the church was a big part of that. And, you know, it it can be therapeutic there where you have people who are supporting you and things like that. So even if you don't take the traditional route of going to a therapist, just talking to someone, getting those emotions out, um, because, you know, when you're inside of that pain, you don't know how to deal with it and you don't know how to see your way out, but there's someone who can 
look at the things that you're going through, someone who may have been through those same things and can speak life into you. Absolutely. I totally agree. So for you, um, the lessons that you learned in therapy and when you got to that place where you decided that you wanted to live and you realized that you deserved to be happy and you deserved a life of joy and things, you know, just to live, you deserve that. What was the biggest lesson that you learned about yourself in that? One of my favorite scriptures is Proverbs uh, 4, 7, in all thy getting, get understanding. And to understand that, um, to understand that I was actually chosen by God personally to do the work that he has set out for me to do. Um, I believe that I'm a true believer that everything happens for a reason. And so my, uh, my path into my path to freedom, my journey to freedom, my journey to self-love, my journey to um, redemption, I believe that it, that all happened for a reason. And at in the beginning, obviously, I didn't know that. But to get understanding of that, what I learned was um, the biggest thing was that the strength. Um, uh, the scripture says that um, he won't pour more burn it on you than you can bear. Mm-hmm. Not everyone could have bared my burdens. And... So I learned that the power within me and the strength with me, within me was planted by God. Mm. It was given to me by God. And no matter what I thought or brought myself down to be, that's not what God had brought me to be. He gave me the strength to be strong, to survive, to, ex- to, to proceed, to excel, to succeed. And when I learned how strong I really was, because I, I, I had to, it took a little bit of um, looking at other people's lives, right? It Not comparing like, you did this, I did that, but to look at people's lives. You have some people in this world who don't really know what affliction truly is, mm-hmm. um, who don't know what struggle really is and the reason why they don't know is not because they are better um they are wiser they're smarter but simply because they their strengths are their strengths in their own areas my strength was i can survive no matter what um god had given me the survival skills god had given me the 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 strength and the power and although i I had to learn that because I thought and considered myself as weak. I thought and considered myself as one who couldn't make it. Um, I thought and considered myself as one who should not be here. But when I got that understanding and learned that I am stronger than I can ever imagine, um, and the reason why I have the strength of David and the, the strength to carry on is because God put that strength within me. That was a lesson that it was like a thousand, a thousand strengths, right? It was just like such a powerful lesson to know. And 
as I, I've gone along through my life, I realized like, I look, I think back and I'm mm -hmm. like, oh my God, like, wow. You know, I went through this. I survived that. I've overcome this. I've overcome that. And look where I'm at now, right? It, the lesson of learning your strength is one of the best lessons in life because when you understand who you are, not according to anybody in this world, but according to who God made you to be, it, it's such a powerful and free feeling. Yes, yes. To know who you are and God, to know who he created you to be. Yes, it, it, there's no feeling like it in the world, no. I don't think. No, no. To, to know who you are beyond any definition of society or anyone else or even even yourself just to know yeah. how highly God thinks of you is is it's an amazing thing it and, is and so I want to talk a little bit about your book where the journey ends because you used your story in that and I'm sure that has helped countless people find their own inner strength so how did how did that book come about um so it's, it's a little crazy because um, I remember a time sitting in um, my room in the Bronx and I said I was going to write this book. And I was probably about 17 years old. And I remember starting to write it and I probably had maybe five pages. And then that five pages was like my entire story, right? <laughs> <laughs> crazy. So I was like, okay, well, five pages. Um, this is actually not a book. And I put it down and I didn't come back to it until um, 2008, 2009. Um, I started, I was just, I was uh, laid off and I said, you know, I really got to write this story. Like it just kept Every so often it would come back. When are you going to write this story? When are you going to write this story? And, I'll, and a lot of times I was just like, I'm really not a writer like that. I'm not a writer. Even as my book is published, I feel like I have a lot more to learn and improve upon when it comes to writing. But it just kept bugging me. I went on, I wrote part of a novel. I wrote part of another novel and it just kept, you're going to release this book. And I shared with my grandmother, Oh mom, I'm writing this book. I'm going to write it. And then one question, ah, I'm just going to kind of put it to the side. And she said, well, maybe it was meant for you and not for anybody else, but you'll know when the time comes. I remember we were sitting and it was like the Christmas holiday. And I had told her, ah, you know, I don't have enough pages. And maybe it's just meant for you. Maybe it's just for you. But you will know when the time comes. And then it just came back on me, like year after year, year after year. And I'm like, okay, I have to do this. It's time. I want to so release another book. I want to write a novel. and But it, I just could not complete any of those until this was completed. And so finally I sat down and I said, I'm going to do it. And then it came about, it has to be perfect. Perfection. Mm -hmm. and, per and perfection just uh, consumed me. It consumed me. And um, I, I was, I, I 
read, read and reread and reread. And it was just like, it's not right. It's not right. It's not perfect. Um, and then one day I just had to pray and God was like, it's not going to be perfect. It's not about perfection. It is just about sharing your story. And so I prayed and I'm like, okay, when am I going to release this? And it just came to me. The most, one of the most important days of my life is um, my grandmother's birthday and she had already passed. And I'm like, I'm going to release it on her birthday. And I tell you, the first edition was, I, I reread it. I'm like, oh my God, all these mistakes and <laughs> the other. And I redid it, but I released it that day. And when I, and when I released it that day, it wasn't even like a book launch. It was literally online. I said, it's here, it's on Amazon. And um, I, I was relieved. I was like, okay, this is what it was supposed to be. And, and God was just like, it's not about perfection. Your life is not perfect. That's the whole point is it's not perfect, but your story is perfect because it's perfect to tell that this is what you have done. This is the strength that I have given you. This is how I have guided you. And this is where you made it today. And so from there on, it was just like, you know what? Perfection left. It, it, it stopped consuming me. And it was like, look, now it's time to tell your story. It's time to share your story. It's time to continue to talk to people. I have been telling my story for years. You know, um, if you were a friend of mine and you were going through some things mm -hmm. and um, you know, I would give little tidbits and I wouldn't get all into it, but I, I came from a place of experience of knowing certain things and being able to advise or to coach or to counsel, whatever it is you want to call it. Um, and so it just kind of took off from there, from the, from even before the book. And then now it's like, okay, well, people, I talk to people, I mm. coach people and they're like, you know, I, I see you and I believe it, but my God, right? How do you do it? And I'm like, exactly my God. That's how I do it. It's my God only, but my God. Um, and, and really that's how I just, you know, released the book or wrote the book. And, um, so I, to say years in the making <laughs> is an understatement. But I think a lot of times when people have been assigned to write their story and kind of speak that truth in in that certain way that the automatic attack of the enemy is that perfection it has to be perfect before it's released but people need to see that imperfection like they don't care if you have a couple misspelled words here now maybe the grammar nerds do but you know most people right. <laughs> most people yeah. don't care about that most people <laughs> just want to know how you made it through everything that you made it through yeah. And so, uh, you know, it's so important for people who are out there who have a story to hear, you know, the struggle of the process to getting that story out and know mm -hmm. that it can be done and it doesn't have to be perfect. So if you're waiting for perfection, this is your sign to stop waiting for perfection and go ahead. That's and right. Get it done. That's right. Yes. <laughs> so you mentioned your coaching, um, business and I want to get into that. How have, uh, how have you used your experiences and the lessons you've learned through those to uh, impact the individuals that you coach and um, you know, how has that worked into your coaching business? 
Um, you know, it, it really still, like, I'm, I still, like, I'm amazed. Um, I'm kind of in awe and in shock that I actually even have a type of, uh, a business or ministry or, um, that I can actually open my mouth and give someone else, um, advice or help someone through a problem, right? Because it's, you still, I still have that question in my mind, like what makes me different or who am I to give advice? And I know who I am, but sometimes it's just like, okay, you just, I'm just an average person. I'm a a girl born in Harlem, uh, grew up in the Bronx, uh, been physically abused, verbally abused, sexually abused. Um, And it's, um, it's like, it's not self-doubt because I, I, I know who I am, but I do question, right? So it just amazes me that I'm even here to be able to help someone else. Um, And I know that, that that's my mission because I wouldn't have gone through all this that I've gone through to be mute, to stay silent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a reason, and the reason is to help someone else, but it, I'm still amazed that, you know, I'm like, God, well, why me, right? Um, why am I so special where some, where most people, and in the beginning, even myself was like, why am I so unlucky? Why do I have to go through these things? But I think that when I share, when I coach, or when I use my experiences to help others, it's, for me, I don't think it's about what I've been through per se. It's more about my my passion for life after the fact. Mm. I think that people are, for lack of a better word, attracted to my passion for life, my passion for overcoming, my passion for getting through and making it that helps people, right? Because we all have stories. Some stories are worse than others, right? Some journeys are harder than others. And it doesn't make one person's journey better than the others or one person's journey more important than the other. But what I think is when you share your story or you share what you've gone through, what you've been through and how you've overcome, how you explain or how you describe your life and the barriers and how you overcome. I, I, I just, I have a passion. I just, I love life. I'm always happy for the most part when, you know, when I am going through things, I go through things like any normal human being, but most people say, oh, you're always smiling, you're always joking, um, because I've been through a lot. And I think that my, my, my idea is I've had enough tears, I've had enough sadness and sorrows, and I want to show you that even beyond that, I can still smile, I can still praise God, I can still be happy, I can still be silly, I can still be crazy, whatever it is, right? And I can share with you, um, it, it, it's, it, it's the authenticity of it all, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not just saying, oh, well, you can do it. Yes. Um, you, you, you can 
you can get through. It's going to be okay. But I'm showing you the true meaning of living life. And in fact, um, my slogan is living life like it's golden um, from Jill Scott. And um, I always, I always uh, describe it's a, it's, a, it's a formula. You transition, you transform, and then you transcend. And I'm at the transcending stage where I'm living. I'm loving it. I'm loving life. And I'm still going to go through things. Life is not perfect. Sometimes I struggle. We all have struggles. Um, sometimes I get upset with things or, you know, things just don't go my way. But at the end of the day, those things are, are, no, are not more important than me living life and enjoying life because I've had so much sorrow and sadness. All I want to do is enjoy life. That's such a beautiful outlook to have now that came out of so much pain, but to, to, you know, see the joy in your face and hear the joy in your voice, like to know that you can get to that place is inspirational for women who are struggling and are in that place of pain and don't necessarily know what the other side looks like. So for a woman who is suffering and is going through her pain and doesn't really know how to get through and how to get to that place where she is transcending, what would be your number one piece of advice for her? Um, so I would say my, my advice would be, and, and I'm going to be completely biased because I am a true believer in God. So first and foremost, if you don't believe in God, you're probably not going to get it. And you're probably not going to take this advice. But my, my number one advice is, Know who you are according to God. Know that you can not be defined by people because you are designed by God. He knows every single count of hair on your head. He has created you to be who you are. He knows where you're going. And he did not put you here on this earth to wear a mask because he formed you beautifully no matter what you look like. You're outside was made for you and you and for you only. You are you are who you are because he has made you to for who you are and who you're going to be. But if you don't trust in his process, then you're going to be stagnated. You're going to be held and you're going to stay where you are. Trust in his process. My favorite, my favorite, my favorite, 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 favorite scripture is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will set your, your path straight. Proverbs 3 and 5. Um, and that is the advice. If you trust him, trust him. And, I, and, and the only reason why that is my advice is because that's how I got to be where I'm at today, by trusting him. And I only got, that, got there because I had someone to guide me eventually, which was my grandmother. She, she um, introduced me, she explained to me, she showed me, and she prepared me to know and love, to know who God is and to love him for who he is, because he loves me for everything that I am. That's powerful advice, to know who you are in God. I don't think there, there's, there is no higher understanding of yourself than that. Yes. To connect with the purpose and the person that you were created to be. And then trust in the process. So many times we want to just skip over all of the trouble and all of the bad things, but 
really understanding that that's part of the process to getting who God, getting to be who God has called you to be. And so I want to thank you uh, again for coming on and for sharing your story and for providing our audience with just so much wisdom and uh, so much good advice. And now for people who want to connect with you and who want to get your book, how can we stay connected? Where can we purchase the book? So um, my book is on Amazon and it's where the journey ends. Journey is spelled J-O-U-R-N-E-E. Um, I'll give you a, just a quick uh, synopsis that uh, where the journey ends. So journey is spelled that particular way because my character in the book is named Journey and journey signifies my journey. So it's the character's name, but it's also what she has gone through, what she has endured and where she ended up at. And so that's uh, why it's spelled that way. It's on Amazon. I also have a website, uh, www.fatimalove.com. I'm also on Facebook. You can find me um, I am, uh, at I am Fatima Love. I do have Twitter. I don't really use it yet. <laughs> so I, I prefer the Facebook. I, you know, uh, post little uh, inspirational things and stuff like that. But FatimaLove.com is, is where you can pretty much reach me and get a little bit more information about me. Um, and that's it. Okay, awesome. And we will post all of that in the show notes with this episode. Uh, so again, thank you for joining us. And I want to close the show with your letter to your younger self. That was a tough one. <laughs> that was a tough one. But uh, my letter to my younger self would say, dear beautiful, yes, I'm talking to you because you are beautiful. I know you don't see it now, but it's true. It's time you stop believing what other people say and start believing in yourself. There is nothing more important in this world than self-love. And you, my dear, need to love yourself. There is no greater in this world than understanding and accepting your position as a child of God. When you look in the mirror, see yourself through God's eyes. Recognize the wonderfully made being God has created you to be. You have a journey that only you can travel. And although it may seem that you are alone, God will never leave nor forsake you. Reach deep down inside. There you will find the strength you need to travel your roads to abundant life. Don't doubt yourself or your abilities. You can and you will survive. You are beautiful, worthy, and more than you know. You have the power and strength to be more than a conqueror. Keep your head up and most, and most of all, always pray and trust God. He will be your light and guidance. Again, trust in him. And remember, he has made you beautiful, so you are. Awesome. That was so good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Once again, thank you to today's special guest for joining us on this episode and thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you have gained some nuggets of wisdom that you can take away with you into your everyday life. And if you are ready to unmask your past, overcome your pain and own your truth, just as our guest has done today, 
Then visit LaTerraWise.com and schedule your consultation today. Thank you for joining us. And remember, your true beauty lies beyond the mask.